good morning. Those of you online, hey, how you doing? Good to you to see us, I guess. Hopefully, anyways, right? Um, middle school, you're going to hang out with us today. Say, yay. <laughs> nice. Way to go. Usually, if you're new here, usually middle school gets dismissed. They have their own time to get class together, but today they... It's just a special day. We want them to be a part of what's happening. Amen? Awesome. Grab your message notes. We're going to kick off a brand new series. Guess what the name of it is? Brand new. Yeah, you guys are good. And we're going to talk about what happens when, when we actually, what, what are the kinds of things that God does in our lives when we make a decision to follow Jesus? So we're going to take, take about four weeks, the month of uh, November here. And talk about that. First, I want to start with two big questions. First one is this. Why should I or anyone become a Christian? Ever think about that? Uh, and the other one is, well, what happens when I do? Because the fact is this, that in our world today, there are so many options. There are so many religions that we can choose from. The question is, what makes Christianity better or even the best option for choosing a religion because most of the religions have a set of beliefs something that you aspire to that you maybe have some rules or guidelines that you follow some do's and don'ts maybe some some religions have prayers that you need to pray but uh and all these things you do to be acceptable within the realm of the religion but also to be acceptable to the God or the deity that is worshipped and served through that religion, if there is one. So the question is, well, which one's correct? <laughs> of all the options, I'm sure there's one. I mean, there's a common, the common thought in the world today says, just pick one. Do it sincerely and you'll be okay. Well, that's just not true. I mean, they're so opposite each other, they can't all be right. Are you with me? Okay, good. So, so the important thing is this. I don't know that anybody I've ever met wants to waste their life. In other words, what if you commit yourself to a religion and you spend your whole life, everything you've got, all of your energy, resources, time, and you pour it into that, that belief system and you come to the end of your life and you realize it was wrong. You just wasted your life. I don't think anybody wants to do that. We, we want to make our life count. We want to know that how we're living our lives and what we're doing is the best. It's correct. We want to be right at the end, right? We want to know that we did it correctly. So, the question then is this. Why should I become a Christian? Well, there, there's many reasons. One of them, now obviously we get our information from this book right here. It's called the Bible. If it weren't for the Bible, we'd have nothing. We wouldn't have Christianity. So therefore, we have to base it on this. According to the Bible, it's very clear that you were born, you were created, you were born to have a relationship with God. He loved you that much. He wants to have a relationship with you. And when we do that, your past is forgiven and you get a very fresh start in life and you get a new chance now no other religion does that 
No, every other religion is basically you do your best <laughs> today and hope that tomorrow you can do even better in, in, in following the guidelines of this religion. But the fact is this, we, we can't do any of these things by ourselves. You can't forgive your own past. You can't give yourself a fresh start. These are all things, that's what makes Christianity different, is that when you put your faith and your trust in the one, Jesus Christ, who's already done all these things for you. He did it, and he continues to do for you all the things that are required of you to be successful in our faith in Christianity. Then the question is, well, what happens? When I finally do get to the point of making that decision to follow Jesus, what happens? And I want this whole series is about this. We're going to talk about the things that happen to you, the kind of newness God makes you personally. Because there are some things that happen instantaneously, just like that. The moment you say yes to Jesus, there are some huge changes that take place. Then there's some that take some time, over a period of time. Then there's some things that take your whole lifetime here on earth. But the best one is when you leave this earth. That's when it really gets good. Okay? We, we get... I'll, most of you know this, we get to go to heaven. We get to be with Jesus forever and ever. That's Christianity. Our faith in Jesus is the only way for that to ever happen. So, this new series, we're going to cover some of these things and uh, sort of let you know what, what is it about following Jesus that makes us brand new. So we're going to start with a big science word, for those of you who like science. Uh, and this word is called physiology. Okay, uh, what is physiology? Well, it, it's a, we've talked about this before. Uh, when a word ends with ology, it simply, ology simply means the study of. You know, you're studying this. So physiology basically means that it's the study of the wholeness of life, the wholeness of our life. It puts, it takes and it puts psychology with biology and theology and sort of puts them into a package because what's important is us for us to realize that this is sort it sort of describes us every one of us we are three things that make us up first of all it, it's our body every one of us whether you like the one you have or not that's what you got you have a body Okay, take good care of it till it's not working anymore, and then you get a brand new one. That's really exciting. Okay, um, but we have a body, and you know we have our bones, the muscles, the skins, the organs. All these things make us up. That that we dwell in there. You live inside your body. Matter of fact, you're you're you you are contained in your body while you're alive on this earth. And then you have what we call a soul. Your soul is known as your mind, your will, and your emotions. It's sort of who you are. And when in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, when God says, let us create man, human beings in our image, what does he mean by his image? Well, he didn't mean a body because God doesn't have a body, right? He meant part of that image was his soul. God has a soul. We, he has a mind. He has will. He has emotions. We have a mind, will, and emotion. That's a part of that image of God. And then we have a spirit. We have a body, we have a soul, we have a spirit. And the spirit, your spirit is what makes you alive. 
It's what God gives you. It's, it's, the, it's the very breath of God inside of you. Matter of fact, it says in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, when, when God created man, he took Adam. Remember this? He took dust. He took mud and dirt from the earth, and he formed him into a human being. You know, wow, that's pretty amazing. And then it says he breathed life into Adam. His spirit, God put a spirit inside of Adam. Each one of these, it's who you are. <laughs> and every one of these, your, your body, your soul, your spirit, are affected by the brand new when you come to Christ. Here's what it says in 1 Thessalonians 5, first verse in your notes. It says, now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. May your whole spirit and soul and body, there it is, the you, be kept blameless until the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen. Not you. God will make this happen. For he who calls you is faithful. That's our God. Brand new, when you talk about that, we're going to talk about how God makes your body, your soul, and your spirit completely new. You know, this is different. What we're going to talk about is different than, I would say, modern or secular psychology or psychiatry. These can be great. It can, they can be helpful, but they're very limited. There, there's there's a, a ceiling to how, what kind of help they can give you because they can help you make adjustments. They can help tweak things, make things different, and hopefully better for you. It can happen. But God's way of doing things is that he wants to completely change you, to make you brand new. Here's what it says in 2 Corinthians 5.17. This is like our foundation verse for the whole series. It says this. Matter of fact, if you were ever, ever to memorize a verse, this would be a good one. You have till next week. Here we go. Okay. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a brand new life has begun. Hallelujah. Not just a few tweaks and adjustments and maybe a new habit here, new habit there, but it's a completely new life. We'll, we'll unpack that a little bit more in a little bit. But the problem is, most of us, when it comes to change and doing some new things, we, we, don't, we want the convenience of it being painless and being quick, right? We, we, we want things done sort of in our way. We don't want to work really hard for it. So for many of us, we, we hesitate to change, but in reality... If you're going to reach your full potential in life, if you're going to become everything that God has planned for you, it's going to take more than a few adjustments. It's going to take a complete overhaul of who you are. It's going to take a brand new you. The change that God wants to make in your life here on this earth is very, very amazing. But here's the thing. The best change that happens is when you leave this earth. Then it gets really good, and you're going to be very glad that you made the decision to become a follower of Jesus Christ. It's important to remember, 
and to put on this new you because as humans, we like to add old to the new, right? We always do. We, 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 have this old, we have old, and so when something new comes along, we just like to, rather than replace it, we just like to put it into the mix of things, sort of like your closet, okay? Say you got this huge walk-in closet where all your clothes are, and you, every time you walk in your closet, you go, oh, this is so depressing. A fourth of your clothes are just old and wore out, but they're still there. A fourth of your clothes are out of date, <laughs> right? They're just like back in the, I don't know, 2000s or something, whatever it is. Some of your clothes just don't fit anymore, right? They're all way too loose. <laughs> or the other way. <laughs> and then the other fourth, which would equal 100% of your clothes, you just don't like them anymore. I mean, it seemed like a good idea when you bought them, right? That looks cool. I mean, that mannequin looks really good on that. You get home and you go, ugh, wish it doesn't look this good. And so you have this whole closet of clothes that you don't like you won't wear and so what do you do you go out and you buy I need a new shirt I need some new shirts I need some new pants maybe new dress I need some new shoes and so what do you do here's what we do we go home and we slide some of the old out of the way and we just put the new in there right are you with me we don't like to get rid of the old stuff because why we might use it someday even though we hate it and we don't ever want to see it again, we leave it in there. And so the next time you go in your closet, you go, okay, where's that new stuff? Well, I, I know I put some, got some good stuff in here. And you dig through all the old to get to the, and it's just a mess. It's chaotic. You're, it's confusing. It's a mess. But it's interesting. When God changes you, he makes it all brand new. He gives you a whole new set of clothes. He throws out the old, which you should do. And he keeps the brand new and he gives you and makes you into a brand new wardrobe. Here's what it says in Ephesians 4. Next verse. It says, throw off your old sinful nature. A lot of, a lot of the descriptions here are like uh, God talks about the clothes that you wear, putting things, taking things on and off. He says, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. In other words, this is the old you. Throw it off. Get rid of the old you. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Put on your new nature. God says, I've given you one. Now put it on, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. In other words, God says, look, you need to get rid of that old wardrobe. I've changed it already. Don't hang on to it. Don't put it in another closet. Don't put it in the corner of the closet. Get rid of it because I've given you a brand new wardrobe. <laughs> it's all good. What kind of wardrobe is it? Well, start off with this. Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says, you need to put on the armor of God. You put on that helmet of salvation. Every day, put on that helmet of salvation. You put on the belt of truth. You put on the breastplate of righteousness. You've got the shield of faith. You've got the sword of the spirit. And you put on the shoes of the gospel of peace. And every day you walk out putting on the armor of God. It's something you put on. And then he says in Colossians 3.12, he says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves. Put these on. Compassion, kindness, humility, 
gentleness, patience, and several other places the list goes on and on. All the good things, all the new things that God has given you as part of your wardrobe for you to wear to be a part of your life. He gave it to you. Now it's up to you to keep it on. What do we like to do? <laughs> we like the new stuff, but we're constantly going back and trying to pick out, well, that wasn't so bad after all. Those clothes, I, I know they're torn, but, you know, holes in your jeans are sort of in style again. You know, it's, I'll just put them back in there. And, but, but, you know, that habit I used to have, I, I sort of, and, and I know it's not good, I used, and I tried to get rid of it, but, you know, it's not so bad. So we try to grab those old things that God says, I've taken them away. I've saved you from those. That's part of the old you. I've given you a brand new you that's awesome. And you're going, yeah, but you know. And you sort of reach back and try to grab some of the old wardrobe and try to put some of those things on again. The old you used to be dead. <laughs> the old you was a sinner. The old you was separated from God. The old you was very self-centered. And the old you was on a path to destruction and eternal separation from God. That's the old you. But when you said yes to Jesus, everything changed and everything cha is changing in your life. That's what God does for us. So I want to look at the rest of our time. I want to look at three things that change, that God is, has changed that he is changing in our lives as a part of you simply making the very simple but challenging decision to say, yes, Jesus, I believe in you and I want to follow you. The moment that happens. Number one, write this in your notes. Here's what God does. God changed my spirit. It is now alive with Christ. Remember your spirit. You have one. When, God, when you, God created you, he put a spirit inside of you. And here's a great verse that describes this process. And it says this in Ephesians 2, first six verses. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, and you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, all of us, say me, all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires in the inclinations of our sinful nature, but God is so rich in mercy. Oh, praise God. And he loved us so much that even though we were dead, say me, okay, that was you. You were dead. You were really bad at one point. You were a sinner. You were dead because of your sins. He gave us life. When he raised Christ from the dead, it is only by God's grace that you've been saved. For he raised us from the dead along, along with Christ and seated us with him. Do you know you're seated in the spiritual realm? You're seated with Christ in the heavenlies right now? That's pretty cool. Because we are united with Christ. Now notice, if you're into grammar, notice the tense of these verses. What is the tense? It's past tense. It means these things have already happened. They're not, pre they're not present. They're not future tense, like they're going to happen. These are things that Christ already did. 
God did them through Christ for you, every one of these things, and they've already been, been applied. All you need to do is say yes and ex believe it and accept it. It already happened. So when you became a believer, talking about your spirit, when you became a believer in Jesus Christ, God breathed life into your spirit. Matter of fact, he put his spirit, the Holy Spirit, God is spirit. He put his Holy Spirit inside of your spirit who now lives and dwells inside of you. Isn't that cool? Your spirit, the spirit part of you that God gave you at birth, it wasn't alive yet. It's there, but it wasn't alive. So the moment you said yes to Jesus, here's something that happened instantaneously. The moment you said yes to Jesus, God whoosh, breathed his Holy Spirit into your spirit, and you came alive. You, I don't care how you felt before that, you were not alive. You were dead in your sins, and now you're alive with Christ. And now what do we do? We simply allow the Holy Spirit who's in our spirit to lead us and to guide us and to give us everything we need to follow Jesus Christ. That's what he's done. The second thing that is changing is that God is changing my soul. Notice he changed my spirit. He's changing my soul. It is being renewed every day. It's a process. Matter of fact, this process is going to take the rest of your life for it to complete. But we, we are co constantly progressing. We're constantly allowing the Spirit to renew us. Remember, your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions, right? Those three parts make up what we consider our soul. It's the core of who you are. It's how you think. And because, because that was how you were thinking before Christ, it doesn't automatically change the moment you become a believer. For many people, that is one of the last things to change. Before Christ, we all, we all had a certain way of thinking. Thinking about ourselves, thinking about God, thinking about the world, our culture, eternity, everything. We have a way of thinking, our perspective. We're going to talk more about this next week. And so when we become a Christian, it doesn't automatically change our minds. For some people it does. It's like a whole drastic. But for most of us, it's our insides are changed, our past is changed, our present is changed, our eternity and our future is changed. But we still have what I call some stinking thinking going on up here, right? We aren't quite, we're still in many ways, we're thinking the patterns of our past the patterns of this world. And we're still fighting that. And so the, the, God wants to change that thinking. That's the whole process. We call that discipleship. Discipleship is the process of our having our minds changed and renewed. In 2 Corinthians 4, it says this. Therefore, since we, we do not lose heart, though, in, though outwardly we are wasting away. That's our body. And if you're over 40, you're going, yep, amen. If you're not 40 yet, you will know this, okay? Yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. Every day, God is renewing us. And it's, we call that, the Bible calls that the renewing of our mind, changing the way we think. 
from our old way to God's way. And it's hard sometimes because we tend to look back and we tend to think back in, to the ways we used to do things, the way we used to think. And, and God says, we're not doing that anymore. And you're going, well, I used to like that. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to change, right? But that's what God's working out. And it says this in Ephesians 4, 22 and 23 and 24. Let the Spirit, remember that Holy Spirit who's inside of you? Let the Holy Spirit, let Him change your way of thinking and make you into a new person. So the Holy Spirit, one of His jobs is, he, when you become brand new, He's working on helping you to think differently. To, from, from your old way of thinking to thinking the way God thinks. is the kingdom, thinking about the kingdom. So how does He do that? <laughs> Guess what? Right here. It's real simple. The Holy Spirit takes the words you read in the Bible and makes them come alive. It changes your thinking. You know, that's why it's so important. Sometimes we, we say it all the time. If not every week, we should. We try. It's so important for us to read, to study, to meditate, and then to apply the Bible to our lives. It's because it's more than just a checklist. Well, I did it. Okay, I got that verse for the day. Or, and it's more than just, oh, wow, I, I, I learned something today. Those are, that's important, to learn things. The biggest reason for you to every day, I'm going to emphasize every day, read at least something in the Bible. Whether it's one verse, whether it's a chapter, you, it's up to you. Because... The Holy Spirit takes these words that are on these pages and he takes them and puts them in your heart, your soul, and your mind and he changes your life. <laughs> he changes everything, starting here and it flows into everything else. If you're not in the word regularly, it's really hard <laughs> for your life to experience the kind of changes that God wants to do and to make you into the person that he wants to make you. Okay, number three, third thing then. Okay, God has given me a new identity. Okay, he's changed my spirit. He's changing my soul. He's given me a brand new identity. I'm a new me. You're a new you. <laughs> brand new. Now, this is important because your identity is who you think you are. And sometimes it's who others think you are, right? And, and who we think we are determines how we live our lives, our decisions, our thinking, our identity. And we tend to live up to the potential of our identity because we act according to what we think we are. Let me give you an example. If you would think, maybe somebody told you a long time ago, you're hanging on to these thoughts, in your mind... You think, you know what, I'm, I'm, I am a loser. <laughs> I'm a loser. That's, that's your identity. I'm a loser. I can't do anything right. I always mess everything up. That's just who I am. That's just what I do. What does that do then? Well, now I'm, I'm going to talk subconsciously because probably you don't look in the mirror and say, I'm a loser and I'm going to really make some losing mistakes today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some things today that just confirm my loserness. Not sure if that's a word, but anyways, it works. Okay? I, I'm just, I, I'm going to make as many mistakes as I can because that's who I am. But it's subconscious. 
So what happens is because we identify as a loser, then what do we do? We tend to, we gravitate subconsciously toward doing things that affirm and confirm us being a loser. And every time we make a mistake, what happens? See there? I can't do anything right. It's, I'm a loser, therefore I just do things wrong. I do things bad. I make mistakes. Everybody was right. Your identity, subconsciously, what you think about yourself, it, it, it confirms and affirms and directs, dictates what you do to, to sort of fulfill your identity. Another one, um, this is for young people especially. Um, you, you have a choice. You either can say, I go to school or I'm a student. It's, there's the difference. I go to school means, you know what, I just... <laughs> Most of the time, like, I hate it, but I just go to school. Okay, it's part of what I do. It's a part of, you know, all the activities of my life. But if I say I'm a student, what is that saying? It means that's who I am. And because I'm, now remember, this is all subconsciously. Because I am a student and I want to be successful in life, I'm going to be the most studious student I can. I want to learn the most. I want to be successful as a student as opposed to... <laughs> I go to school, yeah, I want to do good, but man, it's the after school stuff I'm really good at. That's who I am, man, you know, and all the other things outside of school. Your identity determines your, 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 what you do and what, what success looks like for you. 2 Corinthians 5.17, let's go back to this one. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ is has become a brand new person the old life is gone and the new life has what it's begun let's unpack that for a minute god makes a clear distinction between the old life and a new life it's not a blended closet okay <laughs> there's the old's gone and new life has begun begun means you're not done Philippians 1 6 says God is continuing to do his work in my life until till the day of what Jesus Christ when I get to heaven you're a work in progress you're a piece of work we we talked about this all summer so I can tease with some of you right that's what God's doing in our lives he he changed your identity from who you used to be to who you are now you're a brand new person a new life has begun. So, what, what are some descriptions of the new you? Well, let's look at several verses. We're going to fly through this real quick. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says this. For we are God's, what? Masterpiece. There's your clue. He has created us anew. That's your newness. You're anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. That's your new identity. You're no longer a no-good sinner who's, who's, who's constantly sinning, doing wrong, headed for eternal destruction. You are now a masterpiece of God. God looks at you every moment of every day, and he says, look what I'm making. Look at, look at them. They're amazing. Now, you may not think so. You may not feel like that sometimes. But just know God's doing the work. 
because you're a brand new person. He's going, look at my masterpiece that I'm still working on. And it's getting better every day. That's you. Romans 5, 8 and 6. A couple verses there. It says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have been. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That is so important, folks. That's probably one of the most most important verses you will ever find in the Bible. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? The moment you come to Christ, the moment you say yes to Jesus, the moment you get born again, you're a Christian, all that condemnation, all all of the punishment that you deserve, all of the guilt and the shame and the remorse that you had for a whole life, worth of bad things you did, mistakes and sins you made. At that very moment, all that condemnation, Jesus Christ took it. It said he took it upon himself when he got nailed to the cross and it died with him. Hallelujah. And you know what? And now you're new. There is no more condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. It, you, you, you know, when you fe- if you feel guilty, it's from the devil. If you feel conviction, it's from God saying, hey, you're on the wrong track. Let's get back on track. There's a big difference. No more condemnation. Okay, where was I? It said, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin. Okay, you're died. You died to sin. It's gone. And now you're alive to God in Christ. Brand new identity. What does that mean? Okay, I want you to catch this part because it's going to be really fresh, really raw, really new for some of you. I've been waiting a long time to tell you this. If you are in Christ, your identity is no longer a sinner. It's a saint. Okay? There's a difference. Would you agree? It says in Romans or in Ephesians 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the who? Saints. In Ephesus, who are they? The faithful in Christ Jesus. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners or aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and the members of God's household. Romans 1. To all who are beloved of God in Rome, called as saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. On and on. Over 15 verses in the New Testament Christians, believers, followers of Christ are called saints. Why is that a big deal? Because, remember we talked about your identity. You you tend to gravitate toward what you think about yourself. Remember that? Just five minutes ago, so you remember, okay? Okay. (laughs) Um, Here's what most of you grew up being taught and thinking. Well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Anybody ever hear that? Okay, it's true. You were. But you're not a sinner anymore. You are now a saint of Jesus Christ, of God himself. You won't have a statue, but you're still a saint who sometimes sins. Big difference. If you identify still as a sinner, yeah, I'm saved, yeah, I'm forgiven, but I'm still a sinner, what are you going to do? Subconsciously. Remember, we're back to that You don't recognize, you're not going to stand in the mirror and say, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner. You know, I'm saved. But 
subconsciously what's going to happen when you consider yourself your identity is still a sinner what are you going to tend to do you're going to give yourself permission to sin and when you do it's just going to confirm the fact at least your fact well after all yeah i'm saved but i still i'm just i'm just a humble sinner you know yeah god saved me but i'm still in the sinner category saved by grace i want to tell you this morning you can argue with me if you want that's fine if you want to be a sinner that's fine you're a saint <laughs> if you're in christ you're a saint what does a saint do a saint says praise god i used to be a sinner but now that i'm saved by grace god changed my life i'm a brand new person and because subconsciously your mind's gonna go what does a saint do a saint lives a saintly life a saint tries to follow Jesus with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength, tries to do everything they can to just honor and glorify God because, after all, that's what saints do. Are you with me? It's a big deal, folks. It really is. These are kinds of things that God does in our lives, that God changes in our lives. If you think of yourself as a saint, then subconsciously, you're going to move towards living like a sanctified, forgiven, holy, righteous child of God. Are you going to do it perfectly? Not one bit. And you're going to still be tempted to reach back in that closet <laughs> and take some of that old stuff, the old garments, and try to put them back on. When God gave you a robe of holiness, and righteousness and you're going to contaminate that don't do that every day put on who God has made you to be and who has changed you into now a couple weeks ago we talked about God being holy we just did a whole series on God is one of those was God is holy and part of that was is that God is holy and he wants you to be holy he makes you holy if you're a follower of Christ, you are holy, right? And so I had you to repeat after me the words, I am holy. And I'm, some of you came up afterwards and you go, that was sort of hard. I've never done that before, but I sort of like it. So we're going to practice something like that this morning. Is that okay? Okay, trust me in this. I'm going to make a statement and then with all the conviction and, and confidence and the oh, just voice that you have, I'd like you to repeat after me. Okay, first one is this. I am a saint. I am holy because I am forgiven. Hallelujah. <laughs> That's what God does. That's the new you. And God started something new in your life, and he's not going to stop. And we are going to see the completion of that the moment we see Jesus face to face. And the best part is, we get to enter heaven, and God's going to say these awesome words. Well done, <laughs> my good and faithful servant. But you know what? I think God's going to say as well, well done, kid. You did well. You did good. And at that point, it's all going to be good. So this morning, this is part of what changes you know, you're going to get in the body. We didn't cover the body. This 
at this time. But just know this. Basically, what I can say about that, whatever you like about your body or dislike, there's coming a day when it's done, you're going to get a brand new one, and it's going to be really good. Okay? <laughs> it's, that's an eternal change that's going to happen someday. But all these changes simply take place when you say yes to Jesus. What does that mean? You say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you lived, you died on the cross, you rose again, you saved me from my sins, you forgave me, you've given me power for living, and I get a home in heaven someday. That's what it means to say yes. And I think some of you are ready to do that this morning. I know most of you already have. Let's stand together for a